0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 364. It's titled, Should You Hedge Your Foreign Stock Exposure Against Currency Fluctuations? In June 2020, we added a new holding to the Money for the Rest of Us Plus portfolio examples. I also added it to my portfolio. It was the Wisdom Tree Japan Small Cap Dividend ETF, DFJ. The thesis was that Japan, despite some of its demographic challenges, was growing faster than the U.S. on a per capita GDP basis and had done so for a decade. Overall earnings, as opposed to earnings per share, had also grown faster in Japan than the U.S. The allocation to these small company dividend-paying Japanese stocks allowed us to benefit from low valuations and above-average earnings growth for a country that had been less impacted, at least at the time, by the COVID-19 pandemic. The unemployment rate in Japan was low at 2.6%. The overall case level of COVID was low, as was the fatality rate. It seemed like a prudent way to increase stock allocation at attractive valuations. And generally speaking, the ETF has done very well. It's returned 12% annualized since it was added, but it declined 8% this year since mid-September. Half of those losses is due to the yen weakening relative to the U.S. dollar. The ETF holds publicly traded companies that trade in Japan and do business in the Japanese yen. I am invested through a U.S.-based ETF that calculates the net asset value in dollars. Consequently, if the yen weakens relative to the dollar, then that lowers the overall return. If the yen strengthens relative to the dollar, then that will increase the returns. Right now, one dollar is worth about 114 yen. It has varied. In 2012, one dollar was worth 80 yen. That meant that when you converted a dollar to yen, you did not get as many yen because the dollar was weaker. In 1999, one dollar was worth 145 yen. That meant you got more yen per dollar, as the dollar was strong and the yen was weak. These currency fluctuations can impact returns, particularly over the shorter term. Year-to-date, the Japanese stock market has gained 15.5% when denominated in yen. But when we convert those returns into dollars, the Japanese stock market has only returned 5.4%. The weakening yen has led to a 10 percentage point drag in performance this year. Now, most of the time, we don't consider exchange rates, unless we're traveling. I recall traveling in 2008 with my oldest son in the UK. One pound sterling was worth $2. That was the strongest a pound sterling had been in decades. And it felt as we were traveling through the country in London, buying groceries eating out that we were paying twice as much for everything. By March 2020, one pound sterling was worth $1.16, so it was almost at parity on a currency exchange basis. There are a number of factors that influence the exchange rate between two countries. The primary one is interest rates. All things being equal, if a country's interest rates are increasing... Or anticipated to rise more than in other countries, then that can cause the currency with the rising interest rates to strengthen relative to the other country. We're seeing that now with the yen and the dollar. US interest rates are rising, Japanese interest rates not as much, and that's leading to a wider difference between the two rates. Here's Ray Atrill, he's National Australia's Bank's head of foreign exchange strategy. He said the primary driver of the move, the move being the strengthening dollar relative to the yen, is the further rise that we've seen in US Treasury yields. So it's a fairly simple story of widening rate differential, adding to the attraction of the carry trade. Now, that might be pretty simple to Ray Atrill, but carry trades are not necessarily simple. We dedicated an entire episode to the concept. Episode 183: Why You Should Care About Carry Trades. Let's step back and look at carry trades and how they influence currency exchange rates. Carry trades are investments in which the investor collects an income stream. As long as nothing happens, that's how Tim Lee, Jamie Lee, and Kevin Coldiron put it in their book, The Rise of Carry. We get this income on an ongoing basis as long as nothing bad happens. In this case, of currency. An investor could borrow money in one country in which interest rates are low and invest those funds in a different country where interest rates are high and collect an income stream from the difference, paying a lower amount on the borrowings and collecting a higher amount on the investment. As long as the currency where the money is invested doesn't weaken relative to the currency in which the money was borrowed, then the carry trader earns a profit the carry trader collects more than enough interest income to offset the interest paid. Let's go through an example using the Japanese yen carry trade. Five-year Japanese government bonds are yielding negative 0.09%. Let's say an investor can borrow in Japan for effectively 0%. The five-year U.S. government bond yield is 1.2%. In a carry trade, if the investor is borrowing in yen at close to zero and investing in U.S. government bonds at 1.2%, then that's the earnings, that difference, that 1.2%. The carry trader could also hedge their currency exposure by entering into what is known as a forward contract, in which the yen is converted into dollars today at a certain exchange rate, And then the dollars are converted back to yen at a certain exchange rate in the future. We can look at the pricing of these forward contracts. Right now, an investor can convert yen to dollars at a rate of 113.78 yen per dollar. A forward contract would allow that investor to convert the dollars back to yen a year from now at a rate of 113.15 yen per dollar. That investor doesn't get back as much yen in the future. There's a difference in that annual cost is 0.6%. That's the price embedded into the forward contract. That's based on expectations of how the yen could weaken over the next year. So again, that carry trader, if the carry trader could borrow in yen at 0%, convert it into dollars, and then invest it at 1.2%, hedges the currency exposure with the forward contract at a cost of 0.6%, then the carry trader makes 0.6% on the trade. Now, the way that carry trades work is they borrow massive amounts of money, hedge funds. So it's very leveraged. If you're doing this over hundreds of millions of dollars in yen, then that generates a, a meaningful return. These forward contracts are typically structured as separate over-the-counter contracts. It could be a hedge fund makes a forward contract with its prime broker. Right now has been a very attractive time to do carry trades. The Bloomberg Cumulative FX Carry Trade Index, which is made up of 10 currencies and tracks returns for carry trades, it's returned 3.6% in the past two months. And its overall return for the year has been 8%, some of the best returns since 2016. Sean Osborne, he's the chief foreign exchange strategist for Scotia Bank, said carry works in a benign, low volatility environment, which is what we have had with all of the central bank stimulus in place. If there's not a lot of currency fluctuations, that's ideal for the carry trade because it's a way to earn income using massive amounts of leverage. And it pays off as long as nothing happens. No big currency moves. In an environment where currencies are more volatile and there's much more uncertainty, the cost of these forward contracts would be much higher. In which case, the forward contract might more than offset the interest rate differential between the two countries, in which case the carry trade would not be economically viable. Eric Nelson, who's a strategist at Wells Fargo, felt that the carry trade may start to lessen as some of the spike in commodity prices eases and central banks begin to normalize their monetary policy. He said, I can't help but wonder if we're reaching a cresting point in the pro-carry wave. The scale of these carry trades with billions and billions of dollars and borrowings in other currencies, taking advantage of these interest rate differentials is enough to impact exchange rates, cause one currency to strengthen relative to another. There are also obviously other factors that contribute to exchange rates. Trade, for example. Commerce, a country that's running a big trade surplus, will have a large amount of currency of its trading partner, which, if it decides to convert back to its home currency, could also influence exchange rates. But these carry trades over the short term can definitely impact exchange rates, and it's what we're seeing with the yen-dollar currency pair. More hedge funds have gotten involved in the carry trade, borrowing in yen, converting it to dollars, Investing in US government bonds, and that action has put downward pressure on the yen. Now, we've gone over an example of a carry trade with traditional currencies, but there's also carry trades in cryptocurrency, in the DeFi space. Sometimes it's called yield farming. It can involve borrowing in one cryptocurrency and then lending in another, and hope there isn't a big move between the two currencies that would wipe out all of the income. Before we continue, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution, I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/david. That's M O N A R C H M O N E Y.com/david for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion, primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. As investors, when investing in stocks or other assets outside of our home country, we can elect to invest in ETFs or funds that hedge the currency risk, or we don't have to hedge it at all. For example, one of the other holdings in the Money for the Rest of Us Plus model portfolio examples is the iShares Currency Hedged MSCI All Country World XUS, tickers HAWX. If you look at that ETF's holdings, it has 99.7% in the iShares MSCI All Country World XUS ETF. So it's invested in non-U.S. stocks, but on an unhedged basis. That ETF also has dozens and dozens of these forward currency exchange contracts, these customized contracts to hedge out all of the currency risk. Over the short to intermediate term, these currency fluctuations can impact returns. We gave the example of Japan, where just this year, a weakening yen has led to an investment in the Japanese stock market, to lag by 10 percentage points when we convert those local yen returns into the U.S. dollar. There was a, a fascinating paper that I'll link to in the show notes by Jeff Weniger and Jeremy Schwartz at Wisdom Tree, where they looked at hedging currency risk and the contribution of fluctuating currency on returns. They point out that the U.S. dollar index, which measures the return of the U.S. dollar as it fluctuates against a basket of currencies. Right now, it's about where it was in 1973, unchanged. And it's at the same level as 1974 and 78 and 80, and they list off a dozen years where it's at the level it is today. Since 1989, the MSCI EFA index, an index of developed market non-U.S. stocks, the cumulative impact from currency fluctuations that's an unhedged index, is 0.1%. Didn't make any difference. Over the past 10 years, it did. In local currency, the MSCI EFA returned 9%, but in U.S. dollars, it returned 6.6%, which is about a 2.2% difference from the U.S. dollar strengthening. And that lowered the return when we take those local currency returns and translate them or convert them into dollars. Over the last 20 years, though, the msci EFA index in local currency has returned 5.1%, but when translated into dollars, the msci EFA index returned 6.4%, 1.2% more. In that case, that was due to the dollar weakening. Longer term, it tends to wash out. Shorter term, not necessarily, and if we can look at the annual returns just due to currency. The biggest difference was 2003, 18.3 percentage point difference between US dollar EFA local currency EFA. Sometimes there's no difference at all. The challenge with currency is we often don't have any insight, no idea what the impact will be in a given year. Sometimes it's positive. Sometimes it's negative. It's very much a random walk, which means, and this was sort of the point that the co-authors had in their paper is... That's a lot of volatility with no reward. We typically don't like to take on risk without being compensated for it. If we look at foreign currency risk, currency fluctuations, generally, over the long term, they wash out, and so we're not compensated for that volatility. When should you hedge currency exposure when investing, then? Well, there's four things that I listed out. First, if you don't want volatility, if you don't want to see those fluctuations of returns between your non-home currency investments and then see that local currency returns translated into your home currency and you see, I lost more money due to the currency conversion, then if you don't want that level of volatility, then you might consider hedging your currency exposure. A second reason is you don't have a fundamental view that a particular currency will strengthen or weaken don't have any insight. I know I don't have any insight whether a currency will strengthen or weaken. If you don't have a fundamental view, then you might want to hedge out that currency risk. The third reason to do it is if there's a product available at a reasonable fee. I mentioned the iShares Currency Hedged MSCI ACWI XUS ETF, HAWX. Its expense ratio is 0.35%. Another way, and the primary way, to I get exposure to global stocks is through the Vanguard Total Stock Market ETF. It includes non-U.S., including emerging markets, but it also includes U.S. stocks. Its expense ratio is 0.08%. In order to get non-U.S. stock exposure, that's currency hedge, the fee's higher, paying about 0.3% more to reduce some of that currency volatility. In some cases, there isn't a hedge version of the ETF available. I mentioned this Wisdom Tree Japan small cap dividend ETF. There's no version that hedges out the currency risk. In some cases, I've mentioned my investments in India. The currency risk is not hedged. And one reason is the forward contracts are so expensive. To protect against currency fluctuation between the the US dollar and the India rupee, it costs about 3% per year. So very, very expensive. In some cases, it can be just not cost effective to hedge the currency risk. Another way to potentially do it is to just buy an ETF that protects against currency fluctuations. That's all it does. It doesn't have any other assets that iShares currency hedged MSCI All Country World Index XUS. It's invested in stocks and then has the currency forward contracts. There's the Wisdom Tree Bloomberg U.S. Dollar Bullish Fund, USDU is the ticker. It provides a way to get exposure to the U.S. dollar against a basket of foreign currencies. So its exposure is 33 percent euro, 15 percent the Japanese yen. the Canadian dollar, 11% the British pound, 10% the Mexican peso. If those currencies weaken relative to the U.S. dollar, then this ETF makes money. This ETF could be paired with non-U.S. stock exposure as a way to hedge the currency exposure. But the basket weights might be different, and you're paying a 0.5% expense ratio. It's a way to do it, but there's a cost to it. So to decide, again, we want to know is do we want the volatility? And we could hedge it out, especially if we don't have a fundamental view on a particular currency, and if we can find a product that's available at a reasonable fee. With more and more ETFs, there are more products, but in many cases, there just isn't a suitable one. A final consideration depends on where you live. If you live in Canada, you might not want to hedge your Canadian dollar exposure because given the Canadian economy is highly influenced by oil prices, often what happens when the stock market falls globally, the Canadian dollar weakens. When the economies are expanding globally, the Canadian dollar tends to strengthen. And so by being unhedged as a Canadian investor, That tends to dampen the losses when the the global stock market is declining. Conversely, if you live in Japan, the yen tends to strengthen when global stock markets fall. It's a risk-off currency, and as a result, the yen strengthens as global stocks are falling. As a Japanese investor, hedging that yen exposure allows you to benefit and your non-Japanese stock market losses end up being less as a Japanese investor. So those are the considerations of whether you should hedge or not. What do I do? I primarily don't hedge. About 70% of my stock exposure is outside of the U.S. And only about 5 to 8% of that is currency hedged. Why? I'm comfortable with the volatility. I like having non-dollar exposure. I don't necessarily have a view. I just like the currency diversification. I recognize over the long term, these currency fluctuations will wash out. I have a very diversified portfolio with many different asset classes. And I just don't want to spend a lot of time figuring out how to go about hedging my currency exposure. That then is episode 364. Thanks for listening. I'd like to help you become a better investor. Certainly, the free podcast helps with that. But have you subscribed to my email newsletter? It's where I share an essay on money investing in the economy each week to that list of thousands of email subscribers. I put a great deal of thought and time into that newsletter, and I would love you to be able to read it and learn from it. You can sign up for the Insider's Guide newsletter at moneyfortherestofus.com. Another way I would love to help you become a better investor is by you becoming a member of Money for the Rest of Us Plus. This is the premier investment education platform that's been operating for almost seven years now. Plus membership gives members the tools and resources they need to manage their investment portfolios. Not only can you tap into my more than two decades of investment experience, look at my portfolio trades but my research is backed by top-tier institutional research partners such as Ned Davis Research, Capital Economics, MSEI, Refinitiv Data Stream. I curate the most important content and lessons to help you make better portfolio decisions. You'll also access a community of over 1,000 members to get their insights. Money for the Rest of Us Plus is a bargain compared to a college credit, or subscribing to institutional research services that cost tens of thousands of dollars per year, or even hiring a financial advisor. You can learn more at MoneyForTheRestOfUs.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I've not considered your specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. This is Simply General Education on money, investing in the economy. Have a great week.